Before we get into the episode with Sam, I just wanted to quickly tell you about a brand new podcast series I'm working on for the Triathlon Hour. It's going to start next week exclusively on Patreon and it's called The Chase Pack. It's a podcast about six low-ranked pro triathletes who are trying to make it in the sport of triathlon but haven't got there yet. Some of them are balancing full-time jobs, some have families, others are young and have been getting by relying on family support or multiple part-time jobs. They're going to get together once a week to talk candidly about what it takes to try and make it in the sport and not just the glamorous parts like we're used to hearing about. They'll bring you into everything in their lives, including their training and their back aisle, middle seat, economy plane rides to get to races. There's a link in the description of this episode or over on the Triathlon Hour Instagram to sign up for Patreon um, so that you can listen. It costs $1 a week to sign up. Uh, It really does support the show and keep the lights on here, but maybe more importantly than that, going forward, it's going to be a place where you'll get access to bonus podcast series every single week. How good is it to be joined by the new Ironman world champion, Sam Laidlow? Sam grabbed the race by the scruff of the neck and won the Ironman world championships in, honestly, what can only be described as completely dominant fashion, to the point where it became pretty obvious watching the race as early as like 80 kilometers into the bike that Sam was going to win and there was nothing that anyone could do about it. Sam, what a race, honestly. Has it all sunk in yet? Uh, Not quite. Um... There is, there are moments definitely where I go training and like just have a bit of time to myself and think, wow, like yeah, there is there's there's snippets of moments where it's sunk in, but um, I'm not sure. It feels like a high that will just never never go back down, you know. Like often you ha- you win a race and it kind of you have a high and then a low, but this I just feel like it will be never ending. But we'll see. Yeah, it's been a it's been amazing. Sam, leading up to the race, it felt like you were being written off by most experts as someone who could win the race to the point where. You weren't actually being talked about that much considering you were the runner-up last year and the highest finisher from last year's race in this year's field. And the narrative with you was around your inconsistency this year and your inability to put it all together in a big race. So did you personally doubt yourself going into the race? Um, I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Um, but then equally, there was part of part of me who thought like that everything was kind of all gearing up towards uh nice and the world champs because i mean i yes i didn't deliver in some races but i also had like a fair share of just bad luck you know just go i was really really fit going into the first time out of the season in lanzarote i just literally two three days before started feeling really really bad and i got my liver infection there and then that I could, it kind of took me three weeks to get over that and then before i knew it i was already on the start line in roth um so i just i just i was healthy in roth but i just hadn't trained and uh and yeah, I mean, we cycled, we put 12 minutes into the, into everybody else on the bike, Magnus in, in Roth, and uh, and it was just my body, my body kind of gave in and uh, and, I, and I ripped my calf. So yeah, it was from then on and then COVID in Singapore. And so it was just, it was just a string of bad luck. And I kind of, there was one thing I, I kind of knew was that I, it would be, like, I felt like I'd had my fair share of bad luck and then nothing could happen to me, you know? And um, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind and coming back from Singapore, I, I went straight to Nice and um, I actually yeah managed to get over COVID really quite quickly. I was just down for like 
four four days or four four or five days and then actually I, I did one I did a solid ten days where I was my numbers were really, really good. Um but obviously it's difficult there. Yeah, I'd be lying to say that I was I was confident I could win. Um and I felt and I still feel actually like uh I didn't go into that race but I went into that race with a very similar fitness to I did to Kona. Um but at other times in the year I was I was much fitter and much stronger and um yeah that's equally exciting for the future. And so throughout the year, had you had any patches where your training was going really well and you got to a race thinking, I'm in as good a shape, if not better shape than I was at Kona last year? Or did things just not click at all for you until that 10-day block that you just talked about um, following COVID three weeks out from the Ironman World Champs? No, if, if anything, I was really fit really early on. Um, and I think that showed in, in Grand Canaria. Um, even though like I'm not really cut out, I don't train specifically for half Ironman uh, the field was quite good there and, and the, the guys had some, some really good performances and I was really happy with, with my race, albeit the swim maybe. But um, yeah, I think uh, this this winter was probably the first winter. I've, well, I felt like after Kona, I just kind of like gained, uh, just gained a gear and almost it almost came from confidence, you know, because uh, in, in the end, like actually my life changed more from coming second than it did winning this year because it was... I kind of like that's it. I'd made it as a pro, you know. I could officially like make a living and and like yeah, just have a nice life balance. And that's so I, I was kind of really pleased with that and just content. And so I went into the winter, um, yeah, just I had trained really consistently and and I also had a new training partner, which beforehand I was just training on my own really, and that that really helped. Um, with after I came sixth at the race uh, at the World Champs, so uh, yeah, we both had a great day and. Um, it's both, yeah, we both just had a really, really good, consistent winter. And then obviously it's always difficult when you come into, um, when you come into the season and then like just start racing and it, you start to, yeah, I, it's always the same. You can kind of, you can maintain your level during the, during the season, I feel, but it's very difficult to get better. So um, I don't think I was any fitter or stronger. I was just, uh, just everything clicked, you know, and uh, I'd learned from the previous uh, failures I'd made in, in Lanzarote and stuff and Lanzarote was also a test and I went there to to I guess it was a very similar bike court or as close as you can get on the Ironman circuit to Nice I would say um and I really wanted to see where where the limit was uh in in the because to ride fast you have to go up the hills very very hard uh, and kind of let off the gas so it's a very sporadic kind of effort if you want to get around the, the 180k as quickly as possible um and then yeah so I kind of well I was I wasn't healthy but I still kind of found out that if I pushed a bit too hard on the climbs I, I wouldn't I wouldn't survive and uh so I kind of tailored that back a little bit in in Nice and uh yeah and then Roth for instance I was just I was really grateful to have been at that race because what Magnus did there was just like on another level and uh and I think other people didn't quite realize that and um and yeah I generally believe that like me and Magnus are just on another level on the bike and especially on the flat. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the next next few years in Kona and stuff is just a question of him and me battling out on the bike and then whether the runners can catch us back or not. But at the moment, I mean, it may sound big-headed, but I don't think there is anybody that can ride like us on, on an Ironman distance anyway. You've got such a high race IQ. So one of my favorite things when you come on, Sam, is hearing you break down the race you've just done that we're talking about, like your breakdown of your Kona race last year in our podcast together, for example, was amazing to sit back and listen to. So could you do me the honor of doing the same for me today and mm. take me through the race at the World Championships in Nice from your perspective? Yeah, um, 
Well, first of all, I think I really went in with the mindset of, of wanting to enjoy it. Uh, and that, that mentality really sunk in at the, pre- the first press conference before the race when I was like, oh, well, this is actually this is actually really cool, you know, to be sat next to Jan, I mean, now and, and Patrick and, and all these great athletes was, it just felt like a privilege and, and same on race morning, I got asked how I felt and I was just like, well, like, I'm just, I'm just a kid who wants to enjoy this, you know, and like, that's why, why I enjoy doing it at the end of the day. So I really went in with that mentality. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to stay calm. Uh, I saw the swim. Yeah. The, everybody set out really hard. Um, and uh, and then it kind of really slowed at about the 400 meter mark, and and I took to the front then to try and break it up a little bit. Um, in an ideal world, I I didn't want Patrick or Magnus with me. I kind of I kind of knew that, that them two would be my main main favourites, and also like with with Magnus being so strong on the bike and Patrick on the run, they were the two guys uh, I didn't want with me. And and Patrick, I knew from Ross, he's actually really difficult to shake if he's if he's like. 12 meters behind you, you know, he's, he's a much better cyclist than we give him credit for. And, um, yeah. Uh, so in Roth, I remember it took us like 50 minutes of like full gas attacks to, to get rid of him. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of, so I, I, I led the swim for maybe 2k, uh, with quite a high pace. And then I felt that there were still people on my feet. So I just relaxed into the final 800 meters or so. Um, and I think that's something that, that works for me um, because it just means like, it's also difficult because for me, like there's such a big difference for me Like I can be leading the swim and going quite hard. And I know that other people can can kind of just hang on. But then when I let it pass, when I let people pass, it's like suddenly I feel like I'm swimming in zone one, you know, so I can't, I'm not quite good enough to get away, but then I feel very comfortable in the front pack. Um, and so, yeah, coming into T1, I just was really, really taking it easy. Uh, took my time to put my, my socks on and stuff. And so by that time, I I think I set out maybe 10th or so, uh, a solid minute back from the leaders probably, or maybe yeah, 40, 50 seconds. Um, and yeah, I just didn't rush it. Uh, I knew that it was going to be a long day and yeah, I kind of naturally just made my way to the front, uh, so that if there were any moves on that, on that first climb, I could be there. And, uh, and yeah, I was go I was going up at kind of the top end of what I thought was, was feasible, uh, but not really not trying to get away from anybody, just trying to ride the course fast basically. And, and Clemar pro- put in a proper search, like a, like a la Philippe style search, <laughs> And he, yeah, it's funny because he kind of looks like him with his little, with his little beard and stuff. But um, no, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, that, yeah, as you said, it was a decisive move. Um, so we kind of went for it then, and I was surprised there was only enough to. I thought that other people would, would take, would, would take the risk of going, uh, especially as, as I mean, people saw that last year it clearly, it clearly almost stuck, you know, when I, when I took off the front at the start. But um, but yeah, I think people raced, people wanted to follow Jan a lot. Of people that was their strategy um and Jan wasn't in a good day so um yeah that probably that probably wasn't the best best strategy and then um yeah so I kind of obviously Clemens a great mate but nothing was was planned um but I said like when I t- when I went took a turn and went to the front I said listen like I'll um let's really push for at least 30 minutes see where that gets us and then um and then just kind of get back to our normal wattage strategy and um so it worked out quite well because I knew that Clemens I knew that I was maybe slightly stronger in the flats, and uh, 
and we'd probably similar on the climbs and Clement was by Clement is a very very good descender he, he used to do a lot of motocross and knows the roads I mean he lives in Nice obviously knows the roads better than anyone and so he kind of did all the all the kind of technical parts and, and descents he he did uh and then I did the flats and we kind of shared the hills but it didn't really make much difference and and that was really that was really useful um and yeah we could see that we were gaining time uh apart from maybe Magnus um who was kind of Magnus, I think, and Bradley were at two minutes at the top of the, the first main climb. And then, um, yeah, when we got to the plateau at the top, uh, I took I took to the front again. It was it was flat. Let Clement go past on, on a descent. And then um, and then I, I overtook him again on the next set, section of flat. And I said, OK, I'll, I'll 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 take my turn until we get to until we get to the next aid station uh, because I knew that that was before another descent. And when I got to the aid station, I kind of like waved him through and, and like there was nobody coming past. Um, and then I kind of, I did it once, twice, third. And I was like, oh, bugger, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to take a turn. And then I realized he just wasn't there. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was then again, another decisive move where I had to just, like push on a little bit. Um, I think in hindsight, maybe Clement, maybe overswam. He had a very, very good swim for him. Uh given that in last year in Kona, there was like a group of, I think, I don't know, 20 odd and he wasn't in there. And now there was just eight or nine guys and he was up with the first group. So I think he maybe pushed it a little too hard and was struggling to take on nutrition. Uh, or that's what, at least what he said to me. Um, yeah. And then I just, then once I was out on my own and just, it was very similar to Kona, you know, it was at the 80k mark. That's where I got a gap and it just kept worrying. And um, that's equally what I trained for. I trained to be, very very good on the bike at Ironman distance uh, and to have that kind of strength endurance which I think some people don't have I kind of found again that flow state that I was in in Kona where just the time just flies by and I was just just enjoying it you know just enjoying trying to ride fast uh, and keeping on top of, of my nutrition and hydration that was really a, a worry of mine again even though it's not it wasn't super hot on the bike but it was a real wor worry sorry because there was just a lot less aid stations than there are in Kona, um, and especially on the bike. So I kind of had to, uh, sorry, especially on the run, there's, a, there's like half the amount of personal meters there was in Kona. So I really had to make sure I, I, I finished the bike not dehydrated at all. Uh, um, but yeah, everything went well. I think I only missed like one bottle of all the aid stations. And, um, yeah, then the end was just enjoyment. I didn't want to take too many risks on the descent because I could already see that the gap was growing. Um and then, yeah, I just I just felt really good. Um, legs kept giving, really. I was worried that with that slight, like them first 30 minutes, I would pay for it on the last climb, but it was all okay. And, um, and then, yeah, I mean, when you're, yeah, when you have a five, six minute lead and you're just, uh, and you're just leading the world champs, you're just, one, I'm enjoying it. And two, I'm just, I'm just calm. You know, all I can do now is, is focus on giving my best performance and, and at the end of the day, I knew that I was capable of running close to 240. Um, maybe if I would have taken it, well, yeah, both my dad and my, me think that, I can, that I'm closer to a 237 maybe, but that's if I like really respect, you know, like a wattage and and it's maybe the temperatures are slightly cooler because it was it was hotter than I think most people had planned. Um, but luckily, actually, when we got to Nice uh, two, three weeks before, it was, there was, we had three or four really, really hot days in Nice. So we kind of, uh, we kind of got used to it a bit then. Um, and I think some people maybe underestimated that. Um, like, for instance, I know, I know that Jan trained altitude leading into the race. And um, even guys like Leon and stuff did the same. Um, but uh, so I'm not sure if you're better, like, getting the um, 
getting a stimulus from altitude or, or heat. But I think for this race, I think training in the heat could, could have helped. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I mean, I kept it pretty evenly paced, uh, running maybe like about around about 348, 349 per K pace for the whole way. And then just on the last 10K, I mean, I still had a, a decent gap. So I, I didn't want to risk like completely blowing up. Um, and so I just kind of like nudged it back a tiny bit. Um, I mean, of course, it was it was painful. I'm not saying I could have gone much quicker, but uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of knew that as long as I kept running, um, the race was won. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, it was an incredible day when I got to the finish line. It felt like, I don't know, it just the, the, the main... Uh, the main thing I felt was just disbelief. I was just looking at my family saying like, what the fuck? And um, yeah, just not, not believing it, you know, because it's something I've envisioned so many times in my head. Um, and uh, yeah, for it to, to be real was just, was just crazy. If you're training and care about your health, then nothing is more important than sleep. Pillar Performance's triple magnesium has completely changed the way I sleep. I was a five to six hours a night guy who would struggle to fall asleep every single night. And if I woke up during the middle of the night, would really struggle to get back to sleep. But taking pillars triple magnesium 45 minutes before bed every night, literally within, I want to say a few days, had me being a falls asleep straight away guy, sleeps for eight hours type of guy. And that makes getting up for early morning bike rides and swims just so much easier. Like it's unbelievable how much easier actually. Try it for yourself. Head to Biller Performance's website and use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. Yeah, crazy, mate. Goosebumps listening back to that. Uh, like I said, no one gives a race report like you. Maybe Maxie Newman's the only one who's close, but the way the way you tell them, it's just like it takes you back there to the race. And like I was literally picturing everything in my head as you uh, as you said it was. Yeah, so that was incredible to hear from your perspective. Um, one thing you said there, you said that it played out pretty much the same as last year did at Kona and something that everyone said after last year and I feel like you get doubt more than anyone but everyone said that it was a fluke and that there was motorbikes off the front and you know you had seven TV motorbikes and and technical officials in Kona and that's how you got away and that yeah. people didn't expect you to be able to run that fast so they just let you get away but that won't happen next year mm. but then it happened in the exact same way at pretty much the exact same point and, and you held on and won. So was that in a way nice to prove to everyone and maybe even yourself that you aren't a one-hit wonder and it wasn't a fluke in Kona last year and you actually did the same thing but took it to a whole new level in the race this year? Yeah, I, I don't know if people, I think people or athletes may, may say that but deep down they know that actually staying in a pack of when you're like 10th down the line is, is, is much, much easier than, than being out on the front on your own, you know, and that's why some of them guys ride so much faster, <laughs> run so much faster, sorry um yeah i mean i i knew i knew for myself like that there was no there was no cars no motorbikes last year in kona i mean they're on a different bloody like lane you know so there was i remember in kona there was one slight moment uh where like for i don't know maybe like 30 seconds if that the car was was a bit too close i thought but that was literally it in 108k um and i knew also that like for instance in kona when magnus came past me and i sat at 12 meters for for a little while i felt a bloody huge benefit you know and and i said i remember saying last year as well i was like i'm i'm the only guy who was showing my power data pretty much in kona you know so that i think that shows something um and yeah i mean same here in one of the big discussions that there was in the, the briefings and stuff with the pros was obviously they're not being allowed to cross the line and i was 
I was quite worried and kind of pissed off that I kind of knew that I was going to be the only one who wouldn't be allowed to cross the line because I'm the only one who's going to have a camera on me for, for four plus hours or me and somebody else, you know, but I kind of knew I would be close to the front. Um, and it, and I, and I spoke, I've spoken to a few pros and they, they did say that they didn't give a F about, about crossing the line, you know, because they're like, if they're 10th or like they, nobody was watching them, you know, but I literally had the live stream on me the whole way. So uh, I think I lost maybe a solid minute there because it, it generally makes quite a big difference when you can't tack corners like, like you want. Hey, can you take us inside that pre-race pro briefing you just brought up? Because it was by far the craziest pro briefing I've ever personally seen. And while you weren't necessarily one of the guys making it heated um, by any stretch, you definitely still had a bit to say about some things during it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I was, I, I don't think I was that vocal. I, um, I just, yeah, I just wanted to make things clear and, uh, yeah, there was a bit of a, it seemed like Jan and, and Cam uh, <laughs> were a bit getting on each other's nerves. Um, and then also there was just, I don't know, as I, I also organize events, you know, well, like my family and I, and so I can, sometimes I do think like the athletes are just like, just taking a piss, you know, and asking like like they just ask questions to which they know they're not going to get a clear answer and i don't see the point of asking it over and over again so i did kind of feel for for some of the the refs and stuff that were getting asked questions because at the end of the day all these guys are trying to do the best they can you know um and sometimes rules aren't the way we'd like them but we just have to deal with them but i mean when when there was i can't i don't know who it was there was one guy who was asking like over and over again how many motorbikes there would how many refs there would be for draft drafting you know like over and over again and like the guy the guy answered he said there were those between i think he i think he said there was like the 30 guys and so then he asked he asked her, oh yeah but how many for the pros and like the guy couldn't give him a clear answer you know so it was like but it's going to be somewhere between five and, and 30 you know but that and he and that and he was just going on forever and at one point like cam got off got up sorry and, and wanted to leave because it just it'd been going on for so long you know and i think uh as respect for the other athletes you know you should you should them kind of questions if you want you can go and ask at the end by yourself but to make everybody sit in a room for for an hour and a half you know is is a bit yeah so um yeah there was that and then there was also the 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 yeah the whole question about protesting after a race you know and and i see i see the point because i mean sorry there was guys saying that there's no point in protesting because you can't change the result and and i completely agree like it's it's ridiculous to be allowed to protest but then not not get anything out of it is a bit uh, it mean, so it means that there's no point in protesting you know and and he's got a point but just going over the same question over and over again for, uh, for 30 minutes is yeah i just think it's a bit of a waste of time and energy but anyway that's just my opinion and something else you, you said in that um race report there was that you train for the Ironman distance on the bike and that because that you have strength endurance and uh, and you feel like that's where a lot of other people are lacking maybe. So what is it exactly that, that you and your dad, Richard, your coach do to to, to like develop that strength endurance and, and what are you doing to train specifically for that Ironman bike leg where you do um, perform so well on the big day? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, it's a key session or, or a key week. It's just that... Um... I've grown up doing some really long efforts, you know, and uh, my brother is 15. I just, I was thinking about this morning when I was cycling with him, I was like, bloody hell, he, so he did his first half Ironman uh, and it's my parents one. It's like super hilly and super hard on both the swim, on both the bike and, and run. And uh, he did like, he trained, like he did a, 
I think he took him seven and a half hours, you know, um, and the winner did it in like whatever, six and a half or something. But um, it's uh, like he went into that with like barely any, barely any training except maybe rugby training and like, and like just, just trained for seven and a half hours at 15 years old. And when I think back, like I was already doing some, some crazy, crazy long rides, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12, 13. And um, I think that's, that's where it comes from. You know, it's been a long-term development with, with always the Ironman in mind. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not like when I raced short course, I wasn't the best cyclist and over the half Ironman, I, I think, I, I think the Magnus is considerably, considerably better than me. Um, but when it comes to Ironman, I've trained, yeah, my whole life pretty much towards that. And what I can hold in a half Ironman is very, very similar to what I can hold in a, in a full. And, um, and yeah, as I said, that's, that's my strength, but, um, I think it's, kind of everybody's limiting factor you know anybody can ride at 300 watts but it's just have they got the strength to do it and can they put enough carbs in their body and uh i do think that's one thing people don't look at enough is what their limiting factor is you know and i don't think yeah i see a lot of guys who haven't got much power think okay well if i just get more error then then surely i can go faster but um yeah the limiting factor itself isn't aerodynamics you know i mean you can you can help but actually at the end of the day it's just that and if anybody reminds me of this conversation i had when uh with we were in the car coming back from swimming with my training partner uh arthur and uh and my dad and arthur was just like he was saying oh yeah i think i should change this and that and i think that on my, on my bike and i think that's my problem and then after about 10 minutes my dad just cut him and said well he said it in french but like with an english accent and he just said uh he just said no the problem with you is the strength in your legs. <laughs> and he, <laughs> it was just like a classic Richard quote. Um, and uh, yeah, and he's, he's right, you know. And now, I mean, he spent a year developing that and Arthur clearly had a great race as well. I was sat next to your dad in the press conference after the race and we were whispering during the, the press conference. So like it was hard to hear each other, but we we're having a great conversation about you basically. And and he said something and because we were whispering, I was like, hang on, did I hear that right or have I misheard that? But I, I didn't correct it because I'm like, I'm going to ask Richard or Sam in a podcast after this about this. Yeah. But he said that you you do some training rides where you'll do like 280K. Is that true? Uh, 250. I've done, I've done a few 250s, yeah. But um, I, I just do it. That's just like I do it when I get the opportunity because like, if my dad lets me basically, but that's just what I really, really enjoy doing. You know, I love doing long rides. Um, and that's, I think something that I'll definitely plan over the coming months is like just doing things that I enjoy, you know, over at least once every two weeks or so, just like setting out and going riding all, all day. Um, that, yeah, it's just what I really enjoy. But when I was, yeah, when I was 13, I did do like a 220 K ride. Um, but like a, at a decent pace, you know, with some cyclists and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, as I said before, it's uh, it's been there's always been this long term vision with my dad, and I think yeah, there's not one key session that can explain uh, my cycling ability over the that long distance. And so when you're, because I, I sort of I followed up with him and I said like, so when when you're doing long rides, are you doing sessions or are you just riding easy? And he goes, yeah, he's just riding easy, but with Sam, easy rides aren't easy. And Arthur, your training partner, who you've ch- talked about a couple of times, he goes. In the lead up to to Nice at the Ironman World Championships, he felt like he wasn't very fit on the bike because he was doing easy rides with you and struggling. So when you are going out and riding for two hundred and fifty k, like, do you like how hard do you push and how hard are you riding? One of our last key sessions, and it was up to the drop me, uh, and that was like that really got to me because it was like it was really it was really rare, uh, like the whole year, and especially like 
if you'd seen where he started with us in Feb- in like January, February, and like how unfit we was, and then like suddenly just was being in the same environment as me and stuff. The progression he'd made was was in- incredible, and uh, so then I started kind of doubting if I'd given too much to him. And uh, but uh, I don't know them long rides. Um, let's say in the winter, I quite often do. I quite often do a four-hour ride uh, on the flats, and I'll often I'd come back with an average wattage of over 290 you know and that was that would just be a zone two ride like my heart rate would be 125 maybe 130 average uh sometimes in them sessions i would do blocks of 30 minutes at 340 350 maybe but if i do ever do like a really long ride then it's just yeah then it's just riding uh riding not easy but just steady you know um yeah kind of zone two on feel and just yeah it's kind of that you know that that pace which is like comfortably uncomfortable i'm curious when you win a massive race the biggest race in our sport like the ironman world championships do you just receive nothing but love and have people getting around you and you know maybe people who did doubt you or hate on you they suddenly start showing you heaps of love and that they didn't before or is it just business as usual and the the same people who did doubt you and and you know did hate on you are still there and and the same people who did did love you and did get around you are still there uh no i haven't i haven't seen any any hate the only hate messages i got were for uh for throwing a flag on the floor which i i just generally didn't know it was uh it was not good to do that and uh i'm i'm very sorry I, i did do that but um no otherwise mostly just nice messages and um i think it just made it yeah it, because i'm so open with my races and, and career and like um, i also show my my defeats like whether it's on youtube or instagram or stuff um i think people really appreciated that i'd that gone through all them struggles and, and managed to overcome them um yeah uh equally i think what people appreciated and i think what the brands appreciate as well my partners is that i'm not like yes i try and be a good athlete but i also try and i, I i'm trying to be the best at, at everything you know whether it's the social commitments for race uh content creation or just showing up at the press conference best dressed or anything whatever it is i want to be the best all-round triathlete you know and I, i'm not sure i think the generation yeah the times when you you just had to deliver on the race course of gone now it's it's not just about that you know it's uh it's about the whole package and uh that's what i i I try to achieve and it's and it's really difficult and i think that's what the next so as a as you probably know i wrote this this paper four years ago about trying to win the world champs like uh this year and um and that was like solely when i look at back at it it was solely performance based like nothing else it didn't include how I wanted to be, like, what was my dream scenario to be as a partner? What was the dream house I wanted? What was, like, what did I want as a businessman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, so I think that really is the next step. Like, I still want to perform uh, on a physical level, um, but that's not, it's not just about that. You know, I also want to do, I want to try other things and uh, and, and be good at, challenge myself, basic, basically, um, different different in different walks of life, basically. Win Republic have just released their brand new World Champs 2023 collection of tri suits and cycling kit. It's an amazing collection, and my personal favourite from it is the navy stripe Lucao Plus tri suit and premium cycling jersey. It comes in a white and gold as well, but yeah, I personally love the navy. Um, I actually really like both of them, to be honest. I've been a customer of Win Republic stuff for like three or four years now. It, it truly is the only cycling kit I buy, and I've bought four or five tri suits from them. 
And one thing I've always done is get really excited about every new drop they bring out. And yeah, this is no exception. As with everything we do, it's just like performance and comfort focused. But yeah, like like with everything they do, it just looks absolutely amazing. They they really do design the best looking tri suits and cycling kit on the market, in my opinion. If you want to go check out the new collection or any of their other tri suits and cycling kit, then head to the Win Republic website and remember to use the discount code TTH15 for 15% off your entire order site wide. Oh, and also while you're there. They have some crazy good aero calf sleeves that I couldn't recommend highly enough if you want to ride a little bit faster for such a cheap and easy way. They do always really sell out super quickly. Like when I was trying to buy them the first time, um, they literally went on sale and I went on like an hour later and they were sold out. Um, so do get in quickly um, and, and jump on and see if they have your size. So going forward, you're 24 and you've come second and then first at the Ironman World Championships. Youngest male to ever win the Ironman World Championships. What, what, like going forward, do you want to just, is next year all about Kona and you want to win Kona and you're, you're super motivated maybe because you've won at Nice, but now you, you want to win at Kona as well? Or, or do you want to have a more complete year next year and win some PTO races or, you know, go and compete at the 70.3 World Championships? Um, so I think, as I said, it's a bit, it's a bit unclear at the moment for me and, um, yeah, I'm going away and in the middle of nowhere in a hotel, just leaving my phone and just with a notebook pretty much. And I think I'm going to, that's where I'm going to plan, like where I want to be in, in five or, or 10 years or so. Um, but as I said, I, I want to include other factors, you know, I want to include my brother in the equation uh, and then, yeah, include my girlfriend in the equation and just see how I build things. So um, it's difficult to answer that question right now, but I definitely... I think my car, my heart will always be with in in the Ironman World Champs and um, and trying to win that race, and uh, and yeah, I mean I, I said last year, you know, after I think before even car, co, before coming second, I, I, I said I'm only just getting started, and I and I and I generally feel that way, you know, I feel like I've got so much more to give and I can get so much faster, you know, and uh, it's just a question of how how much faster does everybody else get, obviously. Um, so I definitely feel like I have more titles in me, but equally I'm not, I'm not chasing, trying to, trying to, trying to be the one with the most titles. You know, I want to, what I want is, is to have an influence in the sport and to make people want to do triathlon. Um, and how I do that is maybe still a little unclear quite now. Maybe ask me in, in a week's time when I've come back from the, from that, uh, retreat and uh, I might have a better answer. So last year when you came second at Kona, it obviously was life-changing with you with the amount of money you would have made and, and the contracts you signed with sponsors. And like you said, it sort of it allowed you to live like a professional for, for the first time really. Um, yeah. Since, since the race at, at Nice, has that gone to a whole new level? Um, uh, I think the change was bigger like before Kona and after my second place than it will be now because I'd already – to say I'd only come second, I'd already signed some really, really good deals, I have to say. Um, and and now it's, yeah, it's more about uh, the thing, what was difficult last year after Kona was that one, I was kind of on my own trying to trying to filter suddenly everybody wanted a piece of me. Uh, and I also just, I didn't know that, I, I didn't know that I was allowed to say no to people, you know, and I also, I was in this, there was, there was this whole phase where I had to choose partners and everybody was kind of like, not everybody, but there was a lot of different brands kind of fighting for me. And it was difficult to kind of, uh, to, like, for instance, I just had to take a month, you know, to test different bikes or, and two months to test different shoes and all that. Just It just takes time. And then uh, now, 
now the so the partners that I chose last year I genuinely want to stay with you know so there's no there's no real big changes and also on top of that I've now got uh, a manager and, and also my girlfriend to, to kind of filter everything through and so I, I feel like it's my life's a lot calmer I would say than even though I won than last year when I came when I came second. And before the race, Sam, um, again, I'm, I'm going through a conversation that I was having re- with your dad after the race. You obviously had the COVID coming off Singapore and then your dad said like he was a little unsure the, f- the form you were in. But then uh, I, don't, I think it was about a week or 10 days before the race. He said you did a 40 kilometer run that after, the, after you did that, he was like, oh, yeah, like he's good. I know he can win the race now. Can you talk to me about that session and did it have the same significance for you? Um, it, no, it definitely didn't have the same significance for me. I'm, I'm always, I always question my training and I feel like I never do enough. You know, even if I do some, like, even if I'm doing some epic workouts, you know, I, to me, I always think, I always find the negative in them, uh, which isn't always a good thing, but, uh, that's why we're also quite good training buddies with, with Atios because he's very positive about everything. And so it's quite, it's quite good to have a mix of both, but, um, yeah, I think we just did a, it was a 41k run and i did uh i think i did 25k easy and then from 25k to 35k at kind of ironman race pace uh and then again easy to the end and um yeah i mean i guess i guess my dad could just see that like my form wasn't degrading and the pace was all right to heart rate and everything yeah and uh i mean i i it was me who asked to do that session originally it was just 30k but i kind of felt like i needed I did like a few shorter sessions and stuff. And I said to my dad, well, my fitness is there. Um, I just don't know if I'm strong enough to, to carry it to the end, you know? Um, and uh, so, yeah, we just included that 41K run. And then again, another 30K run, I think quite close to the race. And um, and yeah, that was that was more from a, from a mental kind of uh, confidence boost. And uh, I'm not saying it brought necessarily anything to the race. Jan Fredino, you mentioned him not having the day that that maybe many thought he was going to. I know for me, leading up in the race week, I thought that you and Jan Fredino would enter T2 together and I thought Jan would outrun you and, and he would finish first and you'd finish second. But, you know, we saw pretty quickly what you did on the bike ended up um, maybe being a big factor to why Jan got, got spit out the back and, and didn't have the day that, that many people expected he would. In fact, I think a lot of people just assumed that that fairytale ending, ending was going to happen for him. Can you talk to me about Jan Fredino as an athlete and, and he, his impact on you and then maybe about um, like you winning that race on a day where everyone sort of expected Jan to win? It's funny because it, when I was, uh, must have been what, must have been 10, we were watching the Beijing Olympics and uh, it's one of the first kind of races I really remember watching, like big triathlon races and um, it was like 5K into the run or something and my mum said, um, like at that time, nobody nobody thought Jan would win like he wasn't at all a favorite for that race uh, clearly he was good but nobody thought he'd win and um so they were 5k in and everybody was still together and my mum just pointed out and said and she said oh you'll be you'll be you'll be more like Jan you will and uh, I think she was just talking physically you know but it's something that really resonated it really resonated with me and even though we're not like I'm not I'm nowhere near as as lean as Jan or anything and we're actually like it's just we're quite both quite tall and by the time there was quite there weren't that many kind of tall slender guys and anyway so it kind of kind of stuck in my mind then from from an early age and then and then he moved to Girona um so I kind of it's only an hour down the road so I was often hearing about him and would even come across him and stuff in Girona um 
and yeah and then i knew that uh for instance yarn was working with the senate center which is just like a, a health center in in girona where there's um there's a doctor and a physio and like and a gym and stuff and like they're just very very good at uh, looking at your health in general um and so he i knew that he he was working with them guys and um when i moved back home i i went there because i knew yarn was there and um and that's also been uh, a key in helping me like just get healthy again i think i was slightly overtrained when i stopped short distance uh well i'm not i don't think i definitely was and and just my, my bloods were, were terrible you know i was just i was just knackered and like missing a load of iron and, and just anyway and uh so they really helped with that and then same with my gut issues they've also helped me a lot there um and uh so yeah in some sense i i owe yarn for that because he was probably one of the first big names to, to start working with them and um equally it was all it was it was always part I, there were three guys that really inspired me as a as a kid uh and there was gomez uh brownlee and and yarn and um and I got I got the chance to race with Gomez when I was eighteen uh, in Edmonton last year. I raced Alistair and we broke away together. And then I was only missing racing with Sedino. I'd raced him in Gran Canaria when I was like I don't know two three years ago, three years ago now. And uh, and I crashed on the bike. And um, and then I said before there was I said I think the whole year or not the whole year but as soon as Jan announced he was doing Nice, I was like I, I I said to my parents I was like this is it like there's nobody I want to be more. Than this guy like i just generally and it's not not because i didn't like him or or whatnot but it's just there was nobody wanted to beat him more than me and um and then yeah to I mean to to race him and um and uh be there for his for his last dance i think was amazing and i think and one of the first thing i said to him was i went up to him and thanked him that he finished you know i don't think people realize quite how hard it is to finish a race in the position he was in you know like not clearly not having the day he'd hoped for uh and then i don't know if you finished if you finish 180k and you're not in you're not feeling great even just to go and run 42k you know is is really really hard um and yeah for him to finish i think really not only did it mean a lot for me but it also showed a side to his career i think that he hadn't shown before in the sense that before he was he would always race uh if he was in that kind of like um in that peak shape and he knew he could win you know and i think he was he was so ahead of his time that he could afford to do that you know he was that short course guy who came in and was clearly just better than he was just faster than than the previous ironman generation and so he kind of based his long distance career on on only winning and um and i yeah i i have a different approach i think it's i want to show how how hard it is what we do um and that's why i'm not i'm not afraid of failing and i'm not afraid of showing that I, I do fail i think it's only it's only natural and i think yarn showed a kind of human side you know uh and showed how how hard it is to achieve what he's achieved and uh so yeah of course i'm sure he's he's really pissed that he didn't have the day he wanted but um yeah equally it showed an amazing side and and uh and yeah and i'm grateful for and i think everybody should be grateful for what he's done through the sport um i think he's the guy who really professionalized the sport and um and yeah i mean he's yeah he's he's still he's still the goat you know for for, for now anyways yeah amen and did he say anything to you after the race uh yeah we were we were together i mean he was chilling with his family uh on a beach bar uh it was just like with with some of the hoka guys and uh so i didn't want to i didn't want to pee too much but um no it's just 
I think I said to him like I, I just said uh, I just said thank fuck for that. I've been watching you win races for since I've been a kid, you know. So uh, and uh, yeah, he was just he seemed in a good place, and um, you know what what really came through was that he was just enjoying being with his family, and uh, I, I really felt that. Uh, I think at one point his kid asked his kid asked if um, if you could come with him in the water or something, and. Uh, and and the, uh, another guy, I, I don't know who it was, who was there, uh, just said, oh, I'll, I'll go with you. And Jan said, no, I've, this is exactly why I retire. This is exactly why I'm retiring, you know, so I can say yes to, to being with my kids. And uh, yeah, that was a nice, a nice little moment to, to see. I could ask you literally four hours worth of questions, but I won't keep you all day. Um, do feel like we're just touching the surface on the race because it was like seriously one of the craziest races from a person I've ever seen. So um, kudos to you, mate. But last year, Thanks, last year you got beaten by Gustav Eden. You got the better of of Christian Blumenfeld and Max Newman. They were really the big three outside of Alistair Brownlee, who you mentioned as one of your heroes. And I guess Javier Gomez is making a return to long course by the look of it. Yeah, yeah. But does next year does it motivate you the thought that maybe Gustav? Christian, Max, Alistair, Gomez, the, the guys who weren't there, who you didn't beat, because you beat almost everyone, but does it motivate you to 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 go back and, and go to back to Kona two years later, being an Ironman world champion and, and maybe having the opportunity to go head-to-head with Gustav again? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, as I said before, I, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of where I want to go and I think uh, we can go much, much faster. And um, And I kind of feel like, Maybe not with Max as such, but with like Christian and Gustav, and and I hope they proved me wrong. But I feel like they invested so much, and they had such a such a like I don't know full on ecosystem that it's very very difficult for them to to do any better than that, you know. And I'm not I'm not saying they can't get any better over the iron distance because it was it was like their first or second iron distance, you know. So clearly they can just from experience, but um. But equally, like I've built, I've built my career to to be to be great over time, you know, and to and to and to just enjoy the environment that I'm in, and that's what's going to get me to the top. Um, but I think it will be, yeah, it will be an amazing battle, especially if. Well, I mean, Gustav's announced he's going, and I was I was just chuffed, you know, because that's what I did. And end of the day, that's what kind of motivates you to to just be disciplined and and do that do the extra work and, and make sure you, you beat him, you know? Um, and he would have been, if he was, if he was in the shape he was in, uh, in Kona last year, he would have been extremely hard to beat in, in Nice. And, um, but yeah, there's that, there's that, there's that quote, isn't there, that you say you can only beat the people that, that, that show up and, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And I think it's, it's great for the sport, uh, that they do commit to go to race Ironman as well, you know? And a bit of a fun one to wrap it up on. Is there any behind-the-scenes stories you can think of from the race that no one knows about or no one's heard yet that you'd be up for sharing with us? Yeah, at the, the press conference, Jan and me whispered that um, whispered to each other that we'd uh, we'd just break we'd do a breakaway together. You know, um, we discussed it back in back in uh, November, I think, on one of them Brightling trips we did in South Africa, um, and that that really got me fired up, and I was excited for that because it kind of was what i envisioned um yeah unfortunately it, it didn't happen but that would have been to, to be at the front battling with yarn would have been would have been amazing you know but i mean let's not forget this guy is like 42 you know and like <laughs> yeah. to, to be where he's at and to even win a pto race at 42 for instance is he's just bonkers really you know so um yeah yes he didn't have his his day but equally 
as I said before, it showed it showed a new side of Jan, and uh, and I think everything yeah, everything kind of happens for a reason. And uh, when he looks back, maybe ten years, I think what happened in Nice will will just be yeah, he'll be he'll be happy about you know. That's a great spot to uh, wrap it up, mate. So congratulations again. Uh, I'm really happy for you, honestly, and you couldn't have been more impressive, really, mate. It was um, completely dominant. So yeah, well done, and thanks for coming on the pod to talk about it as well. Uh, I know we talked about it in Nice, but yeah, I really like this tradition we've got happening of you coming on after the World Championships. Uh, yeah. And so hopefully we're back here again next year. Thanks a lot, mate. Appreciate it. Enjoy that little trip away too, mate. Make the most of that. I will do. I will do. I'll make the most of it and uh, make sure I'm back on with another title, hopefully. Awesome. All right, mate. Cheers. All the best. See you, mate. The Feed is your one-stop shop for all of your triathlon, racing and training nutrition needs. If there's a nutritional product worth its salt that you use in training or racing, it will be on the feed. So instead of having to go to multiple online websites or, or shops or having to run around town looking for them, just visit thefeed.com and grab it all from the one place, 